When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Yes, welcome in. Good morning to you. It is the Captain's Run. It's Friday the 14th of May. We'd love for you to get involved, as always, in joining the conversation with us. The show doesn't happen without you. The number's one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can send us a temper text, 0433981116. So many things to talk about. Sometimes on Thursday nights, I'm sitting there, scratching my head, biting my fingernails. What am I going to talk about? And then a few things come across the desk and you go, bang, that is perfect. What about Richmond sooking about not enough games at the MCG? Gee, that one's in my sweet spot this morning. We'll certainly address that after Brendan Gale had a bit of a whinge at their game against GWS tomorrow night. Is it Marvel and not at the MCG? Six games out of eight at the G is not enough so far for the Richmond Footy Club this morning. The mark of the year debacle. I'm interested in your thoughts about how we can solve the voting for mark of the round, mark of the year after Brody Mychek got the nod over Shea Bolton. I know that's been a hot topic this morning right here on SEN. Bob Murphy's going to join us. We've got a draft expert on from the NBA. That one's coming up. Josh Giddy, where will he go? Sam Vecini will join us there. Sydney Swans assistant coach and AFL Hall of Famer Dean Cox, what a guru, what a player he was. Paul Marsh, the AFL Players Association CEO. Dr. Peter Larkins, Chad's Brothers Quiz, over and under, and your calls. Get involved. Let's start the show, though, with this. I thought round eight was a great round for captains. So what I've gone and done, I didn't have enough, uh, uh, I had a lot of spare time, I should say, this week. I've ranked the AFL captains from one to 18. But firstly, some AFL players can absolutely carry their teams on their back. And I thought Geelong skipper Joel Selwood did exactly that in the AFL grand final rematch last Friday night to reaffirm that he is the league's best and most inspirational leader. But by the end of the weekend, a challenger emerged to Selwood's claim to such a powerful image. And by the end of the season, Western Bulldogs skipper Marcus Bontempelli might just be on Selwood's pedestal. There's no shortage of statistics to measure a player's influence on the ground. Selwood had 21 disposals against Richmond last Friday night. His game shouldn't be measured by stats. Three of his efforts in the third quarter, most of the most of you would have seen them by now in all the TV shows, but they typified Selwood's 318 AFL matches across 15 seasons, 10 as captain in a career that is marked with three premierships. As Geelong scored 
an unanswered eight goals in the third quarter. Selwood recklessly threw his body over an opponent's swinging leg to win possession in a critical contest in defence. In a 50-50 ground ball, we've all seen it at centre-half forward, Selwood won the footy using flawless technique against Richmond's Ryan Mansell, leaving the young Tigers stunned. And moments later, Selwood dived full length to grasp the ball, seemingly with his fingernails, to once again take the ball against the odds. And these courageous acts set a high standard to start round eight, but Bontem Pelly met the challenge to deliver an encore by the end of the weekend in Sunday's win over Carlton at the Docklands. He carried the Bulldogs on his back while they overcame a 27-point deficit to knock off Carlton. Selwood has a challenger to the status of the AFL's best captain. Now, no one was surprised to see that Bontempelli was awarded the perfect 10 coaches' votes, nor is there any surprise to find out that he leases top spot on the official AFL player ratings. But it's Bontempelli's leadership and his influence in crucial moments of games that raises his name in the debate of the league's best leaders with Selwood and Richmond Triple Premiership captain Trent Cotchin. For all the AFL manipulates to create an even playing field for all the 18 National League teams, there is no counter to leadership as a massive advantage in a team's aspirations to outdo its rivals. Bontempelli had 17 and 9 score involvements in the second half alone, and good luck to Port Adelaide in trying to stop him at Adelaide Oval tomorrow night in the match of the round, the Dogs coming over to take on Port Adelaide. So who are the AFL's best captains? The top 10 for me... Selwood, Bontempelli, Cochin, Max Gorn with a bullet, Dane Rampey, Tom Jonas, Dane Zorko, Scott Pendlebury, Rory Sloan, and Nat Fife are the top 10 for me. 1-300-736-736. Who's the AFL's best captain? What's your top five? And further to that, who's the best captain you've ever seen? The most inspirational one. Let's get the phones ringing. It's one 736 736 player Joel Selwood has been. Now, I've done the exercise of ranking the captains from 1 to 18. So I've just given you my top 10. Selwood, Bont, Cochin, Gorn, Rampy, Jonas, Zorko, Pendlebury, Sloan and Fife. I'm happy to reveal the other eight a little bit later on, if you would like, and who unfortunately doesn't have the most inspirational skipper in the game. We can get to that if you would like to. Richard joins us from Tasmania. He wants to chat about the Hawthorne Footy Club. Thanks for kicking us off. Good morning to you, Richard. Yeah, thanks, Chad. Thanks for having the call. We love you down here. Love the SEN footy program. Um, yeah, I read an article here uh, not recently with Lewis and, and Kennett and uh, where Lewis has, has stated that maybe you, you have to look back to 2001 to uh, look how long it takes for a rebuild. Um I do agree, but I think we can skip a couple of steps because we were struggling back in 2001 for a, for a coach, for not to say that those coaches weren't adequate, but it took a, a stepping stone to, to find the right person for the job. We've already we've still got that person in the role, um, and I think the endeavour and the... What's the what's the word for it? Uh, the intentions of the players is there. The skill is execution isn't, but that will come when these guys learn to play with each other. 
Um, you know, uh, some of them have only played probably five to ten games. Even our midfield have probably only played fifteen to twenty games. Um, you know, and things in football can change very quickly. Look at Richmond. You know, the, you know, I don't like to compare ourselves with them, um, but you know. They were languishing on the bottom, and then all of a sudden, in that 18-month time frame, they've won their first premiership. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, I, di- I disagree a little bit. I, I don't think there is any shortcuts to, to where Hawthorne are at. The, the, there, there isn't, and there's got to be patience. Now, the difference with Richmond and Hawthorne is that Richmond's premierships were built at the draft. And you can talk about Lynch and Prestia all you like and other players that they've got in, but the core group, of Richmond Triple Premiership players were picked on draft night. Hawthorne don't have enough talent on their list. There is no shortcut for the Hawks other than to get as many first-round draft picks as they possibly can over the next three-year period, get a coach who's willing to rebuild this group and understand exactly where they are at, and that's the only way around it for Hawthorne. Uh, Premiership teams and premierships are won on draft night. They're not won on grand final day. But appreciate your thoughts there, Richard. Are you as optimistic, Hawthorne fans, as Richard is? And is there a shortcut to rebuilding the group? Paul's in Ringwood. Hi, Paul. Yeah, good morning, Kane. Look, I've got three captains, but I've also got a suggestion for Port Adelaide. The three yeah, captains top three? are Wayne Carey, John Nichols and Ron Rassi. But my suggestion for Port Adelaide, so they could stick it up the VFL power brokers, is to create a big prison bar banner, have the players run through that in prison bar tracksuit tops, have them do a lap of the ground to the theme song, and then take take it off and play in their strip. Um, I really support Port Adelaide in what they're doing. But as I said about Ronda Rassi, he's the most self-made footballer that I've ever seen, and I'm 70, and uh, he just went out there and created his own captaincy, his own image, just by sheer effort. He had very little talent, but tons of effort. Thanks, Love that. Yeah, good on you, Paul. Um, Yeah, a little bit tiresome, I think, the the prison bar debate, but I I support the club clearly. Um, But now it's, I think, time to move on and playing against a very good opposition on Saturday night. You don't need to be distracted by prison bar things. Who's the best captain you've seen? Ron Barassi for Paul and a player who got the absolute best out of themselves. John's on the line. Johnny, who's your favourite captain of the past era? Uh, yeah, Paul Kelly. Mm, I think he was that. even nicknamed Captain Courageous, wasn't he? Yeah. He, does he get enough? He was almost We, do, we don't talk about him enough, I don't reckon. Uh, definitely one of the most inspirational captains I've seen. Good on you, John. Appreciate your thoughts. Paul, Cali- Paul Kelly, the most inspirational captain he has seen. Who's the best captain in the game right now? I, I can't go past Selwood. I think Bontempelli's gone past Cochin. Let us know your thoughts on that and what makes a good captain. John is in Port Augusta. Hi to you, John. You want to chat about Richmond? Yeah, morning, Kane. Uh, yeah, Kane, um, I'm just thinking about... Um Richmond, what they, what, they want more games than NCD, do they? Yeah, they're not, a, they're not happy, John, that, <laughs> what they, that their what game they, against like the think, Giants is at Marvel. Yeah, you know I'm a port man. You know I'm a yeah. port man. Yeah. Port are potentially one of the contenders this year. Get two games at NCD. It's a bloody disgrace there. AFL, sorry, AFL. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> it is, mate. Uh, thanks to you, John. So, I... 
I had my my initial response was to laugh, and I know you Richmond fans. Uh, and come on, bring it on, Br- bring it on right now. Now's your opportunity. Brendan Gale yesterday told the Herald Sun. Our members and supporters are incredibly frustrated that we are playing a home game at Marvel this weekend and we completely understand why they feel that way. The MCG, one of the world's best sporting stadiums, is empty this weekend. It makes no sense. We should be playing at the G. Playing at Marvel this week will minimise crowds and that goes against everything the industry wants to deliver. We want fans at the games. So let's look at the facts of this. Six out of the eight have been at the MCG this year for Richmond. Their biggest crowd for the year... At the G, 56,000 versus Melbourne in round seven. Last Friday night, the grand final rematch against Geelong on a Friday night, 54,000 only. The last time they played GWS at the MCG was round 17, 2019, pre-pandemic. What do you reckon they pulled that night? 38,000. There is no way they're going to get a less... They're going to lock anyone out by playing this game at Marvel. I just... It just... Makes me laugh. It's like I said this morning on radio. It's like if you're a regular flyer and you rock up at Virgin and Qantas and eight out of ten times you get upgraded to business class and you think, oh, geez, how good is this? I'm getting upgraded to business class. The two times out of ten that they don't upgrade you, you go to Qantas and say and have a big sook about not getting upgraded. This is unbelievable. They had 13 of the G in 2019, including the last seven, and they had 14 in 2018. And they're complaining because one of their games is at Marvel after they've already had six out of eight at the MCG. Uh, Good on them. I respect the club, but this isn't a fight that they should be taking up with the AFL. George is in Taylor's Lakes. Um, Best captain, George. Good morning, mate. How are you? Good. That's it. Uh, Wayne Carey, mate, for me, back in the 90s, or when he first came out, said, look, to Pagan, I want captaincy at the age of 19, 20. And he just showed command, he showed arrogance, he just mm. showed how to play the game. Pagan's paddock. It was just dying. Just, we just we could not lose. Well, 96, we'd be beating teams averaging about 80, 90 points. Uh, yeah, just, it was just beautiful to watch. And uh, it's sad to see how we are at the moment. But, you know, life goes on. Hopefully these young boys will pick up their game. Yeah, is there... So you're a North Melbourne man, George. Is there a, a, a bit of a blotch on his resume, his captaincy resume with how it ended at North and the leadership he showed during that period or not, or not you don't see it that way? I only go by games outside, this, you know that's a different, that's different altogether I'm just going by just his uh, in the game only. I'm outside mm. I know what will happen, we all know so I don't go by that his history in the football league is legendary, uh, outside different story, you know the life goes on yeah, good on you. I think that's the thing that I've loved about Bontempelli is when he senses the moment this year, when momentum's swinging or when his team needs it, he's been able to shift that either offensively or defensively with some of his acts. It's been it's been an extraordinary season from Marcus Bontempelli. And I, I got Bob on this morning because I wanted to chat about him and forget what a good um, captain Robert Murphy was, voted best captain by his peers in 2015. So I want to chat leadership with him after 10 o'clock this morning. But right now we're taking your calls. A lot of Richmond people lining up. We'll get to you shortly. Go your hardest, Richmond fans, this morning. Yeah, I nearly drove off the road laughing um, when I heard on the radio that Brennan Gale was whinging about playing at Marvel this weekend. Jim's in Oakley. Best captains, Jim. Uh, good morning there, King. You doing well? Thank you, mate. Uh, yeah, uh, quite good. Look, I think even though I do not like the Lions being a magpie, I've got to give Michael Voss his credit. He's oh, just yes. Top of, top of, 
just hard and that red hair, you know, it just make everyone stand up and you see the copper clutch next to you, you know. He was a great, Michael Voss was a great captain. That, that's a really good call. And I mean, ob- obvious really um, where he sits in the in the competition and for his reputation. But he was he was everything you want in a captain, Michael Voss. Terrific call, Jim. Uh, Jonathan Brown was good too. I mean, tough shoes to follow, um, tough act to follow. That is taking over from Vossy. But Jonathan Brown was, was pretty good as well. Right, we'll let the Richmond fans loose. There's seven of them lining up to have their say. We'll start with Rob. Uh, Richmond is talking about not playing at the MCG on Saturday night. Rob, your thoughts? Yeah, Kane. Um, look, I just don't think you're being rational about this. I really like the way you, um, you know, say your mind and speak your mind clearly. But as a Richmond supporter, I want to be able to see my team at the home ground. I don't go to away games. It's not Richmond's prerogative to decide where it plays. It's away games. That's other teams or the AFL decides that. So I think Brendan Gale's well within his right to say, hey, look, Richmond guys that pay for their home ground uh, via their ticket want to watch it at the MCG. So of the 14 times that Richmond play at the MCG, that's that's not enough for you, Rob? No, and I know you're suggesting that's some of them aren't home the games. Do, do you do you think you don't get suggest- access to see your team play on their home ground enough? That's not the point, Kane. That's, this is my, my issue with the way you're approaching this. It's where we play our home games. I don't care where we play our away games. I'm a member. I buy a home ground ticket. So if I have to go to the home ground, then I can't get to the MCG. I, I think Brendan Gale's got a right to say, hey, so, Richmond so, supporters want to play their home games there. So you wouldn't go and watch Richmond, your team, play at Marvel? You wouldn't, you wouldn't do it? I hate Marvel Stadium. And it's not a matter of whether I go. There's 100,000 Richmond members and there's not 100,000 seats at, at, uh, at but, Marvel but hang, hang on. How, how, many turn, how many turns up, how many do you think, honestly, would turn up to see Richmond play GWS in 2021 at the MCG? There, there is not one Richmond fan will be locked out. Not one. But you're not being irrational. It's weird. You just said you just said a hundred thousand people will be locked out. They won't be locked out because no, no one will no. go. There was fifty thousand no. there on Friday no. night against Geelong. It's like it, imagine if Port Adelaide had to play all its games at the Adelaide Oval, but they were all Adelaide Crows games or they were all away games, and none of the Port Adelaide members. That's not the case. That's not the case here. No. Not, all their home games aren't being shifted. You, you still get to see your team play. There are eight or nine home games at the MCG. You're not losing here, and you can still watch them. You can still go to Marvel and watch them. Like, it's... Come on. It's the biggest advantage of any team in the history of the AFL is the amount of time Richmond gets to play where the grand final is played. It may may be an advantage, but that's not the point. Brendan Gale is saying, play our home games at our home ground. Our away games can be anywhere. It's for the Richmond members who pay for their home ground who want to be able to go and see their team at their home ground. They pay for their 11 or 12 games, whatever it is. We have the right to see our team at our home ground, I think, as all teams should have. All right. Well, good on you, mate. I think you get pretty good access to seeing Richmond play at the MCG. And, and would if you're a Richmond supporter, would you not turn up because it's at Marvel? I'd love to hear your thoughts. We'll take a short break because I've got Dean Rowan, Jono, Simon and Mick all lining me up this morning, which I'm happy for you to do. I mean, Rob Rob did his best. Um, I think I'll take the points in that one. But um, if you want to have a crack, you can do so. Get involved. 21 minutes past nine. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns.
Yeah, the uh, temper text has exploded. 043398 Fancy the Tigers complaining to the AFL or to the Herald Sun or wherever they're going to be heard about not getting enough games at the MCG. It's only been six out of eight this year. They wanted seven out of nine. Dean is on the line. Your thoughts, Dean? Yeah, g'day, Kane. Just a simple question for you. Why is it that Port is entitled to 11 home games and Richmond is not? What's it got to do about... Port, Dean. No, answer the question, please. Dean, let's... Can we not compare... Don't even start to compare interstate clubs with Richmond. Like, why? why would you Why would you devalue your argument? Of all the things you could argue, you've gone and pulled in an interstate oh, team mate. who travel every second week, who go and to all parts the of the country, who that. go to Tasmania, who no, go to Perth, who go to Sydney, who play anywhere that they're asked, and you, out of your argument, of all the things you all could right. have argued, so you've pulled in an interstate teams. Let's go to the Marvel home teams. Why are they entitled to 11 home games? I'm talking about where the grand final is played, where the big finals are played. Richmond get more access to that venue than any team in the history of the AFL, and they're complaining that one of their games has been moved not to Perth, not to Tassie, not to Canberra, but across the road to Marvel. That's not something to complain about, Dean. You're complaining about how Hawthorne won their three as well, then? Well, they, they, I'm, I'm telling you, they didn't get seven in a row in the lead-up to one of their premierships. And then I didn't hear them complaining when one of their games was moved. Uh, I certainly didn't hear that. It's, it's, and, and good luck to them. Like, credit to Richmond, and people think I dislike them. I have so much respect for them. But let's, let's have fights that we can win. Uh, let's not complain about moving a home game against GWS, of all clubs, where you'll probably get, I would imagine, 26,000. Perhaps, even if it was at the MCG, uh, that's about the figure. No one's been locked out. Go to Marvel and watch your team play. Stop sucking. Rowan, your thoughts? I'm with you, Kane. I think uh, Brendan Gale needs to pull his socks off. Um, I've just gone through all the rounds, and they've had seven out of nine prime-time slots. That's including a Thursday night round one. And, yeah, it's just not good enough. Uh, mm. Hold that thought, Rowan, and we'll get to Jono, and we'll also get to Mick, and Kathy's going to join us, Andrew, uh, Christian. Big show coming up this morning. I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, love a good debate. I'm happy to take you on. I'm getting smashed on the temper text. That's okay. A bit of support coming through as well. Big show coming up. It is time, though, for the 9.30 news headlines. Good morning. Yeah, it's all happening uh, here this morning. You can get involved. I'm uh, interested also in the injury to Patrick Cripps. Carlton fans, I mean, it's not a new topic. It's been um, spoken about for a while. What would you do with him? Would you rest him this week? Should he play? My view is it is, and this is um, uh, well, all credit to Patrick Cripps because he never complains and David Teague not complaining either. We only talk about this when he plays poorly. Uh, no one spoke about Patrick Cripps' injury after he was best on ground against Fremantle at Marvel a couple of weeks ago. No one speaks about the injury there. So the media as a whole, when good players play poorly, sometimes they just play poorly and sometimes there's not an excuse for it. But Carlton fans, would you rest him and how would you use him in that huge game on Sunday? Rowan's been waiting patiently. Hi to you, Rowan. Sorry about that, uh, Kane. One second. Um, also, uh, best captain I've seen growing up playing was Luke Hodge. And probably best player, Chris Judd. That's all I want to say. Thank you very much. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your thoughts. Best skipper, Luke Hodge. Um, he was 
Yeah, amazing, really, wasn't he? Um, and I actually interviewed Taylor Duray on um, SENSA during the week, and he sort of compared a little bit of what Luke Hodge is doing to what Bont is doing on the field with the influence that they're having. So for a man who's played with both, there's a pretty big endorsement from Taylor Duray of Marcus Bont and Pelly. Jono's in St Kilda. You want to chat about the Blues, Jono? Volcano, hope you're well, mate. Thank you. Uh, um, mate, we've been, I've been actually talking to you the last few weeks about our my football club now, and you've been on to them as well, and I've been in full agreement with you. Have you happened to hear the latest presser from our super coach this week? I haven't, Jono. What, what, what caught your attention, please? Just his clueless. Like, he's, he just looks clueless. Like, you're trying to tell me that Patrick Cripps isn't injured. Like, he goes, oh, no, he's fine. He, he, mm. Like, watch him compete. Like, it's just the same old crap. He, he, does he think that we're, we're dumb? Like, Carlton supporters are stupid or something? Like, we listen to the same crap every week. And you mention that every week also. Like, we hear the same mm. dribble. It's enough's enough. I've got a few other things. I've written them down so I don't forget. Like, he doesn't make the tough calls. Again, you've been on to this as well. Like, Casbolt Plowman should not be in that team. You know, I guarantee you'll bring in Mark Murphy this week. He has not. Des- he does not deserve a spot in that best. Tw- he's not in our best twenty-two. I guarantee he brings him in this week, right? It, it, yep. it's, a, it's a complete mess at Carlton. It's a complete mess. And just actually, out of interest, where do you rank Cripps as captain in your list? Uh, I have got him. Let me look for you. Uh, I had him as the fifteenth best captain with. Um, Sam Doherty, that's just just don't think he influences like a captain should. Good player, but that's where I've got him at the moment. Uh, Johnny, the one that got me this week was uh, Jacob Weedering on Waitley. Now, granted, I I'm only reading this quote, so I haven't heard this quote in full context of the way that it was said. But the Waitley program um, tweeted that. Jacob Wiedering said, three years ago, we were 60 to 70 points away from wins. Now we're a couple of goals away. It's exciting to look at it in that manner, but we've got to finish off games. To be satisfied with losses would be the, the concern for me, and that's sort of been my criticism over David Teague. He's, he's quite happy with, with losses, or he seems to be satisfied with an honourable effort. I mean, we're 20 years into a rebuild. Uh, it should be the point where Carlton expect to win. Um, and right now they don't. So that was the one that caught my attention. But appreciate your thoughts. Frustrated Carlton fan is Jono. Uh, Mick's in Diamond Creek. He wants to shift gears and speak about Collingwood. Hi, Mick. Good morning, Kane. I want to thank you for being the most open and honest journalist, and I appreciate every week I listen to your show. I'll give you two captains you can't remember or won't remember. You wasn't born. Wayne Richardson, Des Tuddenham. But I'm concerned about my pies, where they're headed. Um, pick one, maybe, under the father and son. Then pick 39. The goey's hot and cold. They're not up to scratch. Grundy's not earning his money. And I just want to thank you for standing up to Eddie over the prison bars. Wear your prison bars. Doesn't affect me. And I want to thank you for being so great and open and honest. Good on you, Mick. Thanks for the kind words. Appreciate that. Pies fans, are you concerned about your side and the direction like Mick is? Uh, Kathy's been waiting to have her say. You want to chat about the Tigers? Kathy, good morning. Oh, good morning, Kane. Um, I can't help but laugh at the Richmond supporters. Like, who the hell do they think they are? Like, I'm not sure of the arrangements with Marvel. It used to be that so many games 
were required to be paid there. Played yeah, I think there, that's sorry. still the case, yeah. Okay, so every other team pulls their weight and plays a home game there. But, oh, no, 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 Richmond can't do it. How about they pull up their big boy pants and just get on with it and stop sucking yeah, we're going to prize for Kathy, Ben. Pull, pull, pull up your big boy pants, says Kathy, and stop sucking and pull your weight. I couldn't have said it any better, um, but you'll get them fired up, and that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll give the Tigers fans a platform to have this. So they, they have every right to do that, and they're feeling pretty good about themselves, as they should be, for turning that footy club into an absolute powerhouse. But, gee whiz, there's things to complain about. And there's things to complain about. Having to have a home game at Marvel against GWS isn't one such thing to complain about. Andrew's on the line. Your best five skippers, Andrew. I have got five skippers. And I was also, first, I want to go to the best captains I've seen play. And I'll show my age here. Lee Matthews and, and, and Terry Danaher. Uh, they they uh, kill any captains of today's era. I'm, I'm mm. sorry, but those mm. two captains were fantastic. But anyway... Uh, the five captains I'd go in order is Salwood, Cotchen. Now, you said current captains, and I'm yep. putting Toby Green into that category. Yeah, I see. I thought about doing this, Andrew, but I, I didn't because he's not an official captain. But I get your point. I like it. Oh, he's a captain. He's captain, so, yeah, yep. technically he's a captain. Mm. Uh, Max Gorn and, and Sorko. That's, that's my uh, in order. Yeah, what is it about um, Zorko? I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure. I sort of had him, I had him in the top ten. Yeah. Dane, I had him seventh. I think he's a good captain. But what is it about him you like? I like his toughness. I like the other way he goes about his game, um, and and he doesn't give up. You know, and I and I think that because we don't see a lot of these interstate sides play well in Victoria, we don't see a lot of the captains from other clubs. You know, like, uh, you know, Gold Coast, uh, you know, they, they've got a, a capped up there, Swallow. We don't know, I don't know because we don't see him. So we don't really know how good he is. Um, yep. So we're just making on visual, our visual, um, um, uh, you know, appreciation of captain. So, and then Sydney's got three current, uh, I think, don't they share the captaincy up there? Yeah, they do. Ramp, Rampy, yeah, Kennedy, so, and Parker. So hard, yeah, hard, to, so hard to judge those. Thanks, Andrew, for your top five. I, I don't love co-captains. I'm a bit of a traditionalist with that. I do like the sole captain. And I think of all those Sydney captains, Dane Rampey appears to be the, the spiritual leader there at the moment. And I rate him highly. Christian's in Geelong. Uh, what do you think about Richmond's whinging, Christian? Yeah, good, Kane. Um, just a quick one for you. I, I, I don't actually have too much of an issue with playing GWS at Eddie had at all. Um, but I just find it interesting how... Uh, prior to 2017, like we've always had, let's call it 14 games at the MCG because obviously a few of those are away against the likes of Melbourne, Geelong, Collingwood, yeah. Hawthorne, that sort of thing. But I just, I find it interesting because this was actually never, ever a conversation prior to us. You know, we've obviously had a good last five years. This was actually never, never an issue in the, in the public or in the media before mm. in the last couple of years. And also... I don't know, like, with the fact that we do play, obviously, quite a few games at the MCG, a lot of those you could make the you could make the argument that there's no real advantage because we're playing sides so often that share the MCG with us. You could you could mount that argument, and you, your first point is right. No, no one cared when Richmond weren't winning. Um, 
but now that they are, and I guess now that they their record at the MCG you know, stacks up the way that it does. But my my point more is, don't complain about things that you know, other clubs would look at you and go, are you for, for real? Are you serious? Do you think Adam Simpson, who's about to, well, say say Justin Longmuir, who's about to jump on a plane for four hours again this weekend, do you think he looks at Richmond and Brendan Gale going, hang on? You're complaining about one of your games being moved across the road to Marvel when we're about to jump on a plane for four hours and sleep in a hotel for three days every second weekend. I just think you've got it pretty good is what I'm saying. Let's not push it and complain because one of your games has been moved. That that, that was my point. I've spoken about their scheduling before and I think it's a massive disadvantage to the other teams that they get seven in a row in the lead-up to the finals and things like that. But you're right. No one cared about it when Richmond... We're no good. Kirk's on the line. Um, you want to continue this debate, Kirk? Morning. Yeah, Kane. How are you going? Good. Good. Look, I Christmas time. I thunder a bit. I just think. Look, I I'm a Richmond supporter. I'm a member. I'll go Marvel, MCG. I don't care. As long as I get to see the boys play. The only thing I would say in regard to your argument is that you, as Christians, you need to factor in. We play a lot of away games at the G with Melbourne clubs. So I think. Some of the callers are a bit ill-informed. They need to take that into account. I mean, granted, we've got a, got a great run at the G, but that's also factored in that we play a lot of Melbourne clubs who are co-tenants. Yeah, I, I, understand, I understand that. But you're still sleeping in your own bed. You're waking up. You're in the same change rooms. You're in familiar surroundings. If you have to move a game to Marvel, let's not complain about it, is my point. Robbie's in Geelong. Hi, Robbie. Hi, mate. Good. Just all these Richmond supporters, so I guess in come round 19, they won't care that uh, we can move the game back down to GMHBA. Yes. Love it. Round just, 19, uh, just... Geelong and Richmond. That'll be at the MCG, but it should be at GMHBA, shouldn't it, by their logic? Yeah, well, that's what, going by all the Richmond supporters, they won't have any case to argue this time around. Yeah, so I think Geelong is probably the most comparable um, team in the comp with this, um, and Geelong cop it. Not only do they have to move their home games to the MCG, they have to move finals to the MCG when they've qualified for finals on their own deck. So perhaps we should be comparing Richmond and Geelong, and yeah, maybe that game against Richmond, see how they like it. Let's move the home game where it should be played. That's GMHBA, to use the same logic. We'll wait and see whether Geelong... Whinge about that game being moved to the MCG. Uh, Melbourne is in... Sorry, Mel is in Port Melbourne. Your thoughts on it, Mel? Hey, Kane. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on this one. I actually agree with Richmond. They should get 11 home games at the MCG, but that's all they should get. So Mm. if you're saying let's get 11 home games at the MCG, which is what they should get and every club should get that, so should every other club, which means that Richmond should play at Cadenia Park. Richmond should play in Tasmania. Yes. Richmond should play at Marvel. And yes. they should get the full quota of interstate games. Plus, they should also not get finals that they don't deserve. So Correct. if they don't earn um, a home final, they shouldn't get a home final, but they do. So what are they complaining about? It's amusing. It is, it is amusing, Mel, and I think you've started your case exceptionally well, and I could not agree with you more. So you want your 11 at the MCG, then share around the other 11 that you have to play, and if you don't qualify for a home final, you finish third, and the team above you finishes second, that game should be 
at the home team's ground that finished above you, but that hasn't always been the case. There is no argument here. I can't believe the Richmond fans are upset. There isn't an argument. It's black and white. Alex, Vic, Michael, Prabs and Peter on the other side of this. Yeah, taking your calls right through until 12 o'clock after 10. Talk some leadership with Bob Murphy and the development of Marcus Bontempelli and what makes a good skipper. We'll hear from the AFL Players Association CEO, Paul Marsh, going to the US and speak to uh, Sam Vecini about the NBA draft. Dean Cox and the doc, Dr. Peter Larkins, all coming up this morning through until 12 o'clock. Alex is in Black Rock. You want to speak about the Port game tomorrow night, Alex? Welcome. Yeah, how's it going, Cam? Good. Um, so obviously you're a Port fan yourself, and I've just—I think it's probably the game of the round this weekend, uh, the Bulldogs versus Port game. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on how you think that's going to play out because Port obviously a top side and they're in a bit of good form in the last couple of games, but they have underperformed against a couple of good sides. Um, they got smacked by West Coast and then Brisbane—they put on a really poor performance. So I just want to know how you think that one will play out. They're obviously very good at home, but the Bulldogs have been pretty strong this year. Yes. Um... It is the match of the round. I've tipped the Western Bulldogs, unfortunately. I don't, don't know how Port Adelaide's midfield can compete with who they've got going through there. It's um, it's one of the most powerful midfields I've ever seen, uh, what the Western Bulldogs are doing. So you've got Wines and Boak from Port Adelaide, but then you've got about seven of the Western Bulldogs midfielders who are in ripping form. Conditions will be interesting, so a bit wet. Breezy, very wintry over here tomorrow night forecast. So that perhaps plays into Port Adelaide's hands. But I think the dogs will be too strong, um, unfortunately, Alex, um, with that midfield that they've got. Vic is in Melbourne. G'day to you, Vic. And I just want to start by saying I love your commentary, largely because you're uh, willing to call a spade a spade, and, and I like the interaction with uh, with Eddie in particular. Um, Thanks, mate. And uh, with that starting point... I am a diehard Tigers supporter. Oh no! Who uh, actually no, actually agree with you 100. Oh, I think. Is that uh, right? I think no, I do. I, th- I think sometimes um, successful, powerful clubs um, overreach <laughs> in terms of what they think they should get, and you know, this, it's just crazy. It shouldn't matter that we're playing mm. Marvel. It should not matter. Get along there and support your team under the roof of Marvel. Perfect. How good? Great ground to watch footy. Um, Tigers fans, don't complain about it. Get on there, support it. You know, you wouldn't have got any more than thirty thousand the MCG. You get that at Marvel. Perfect. Enjoy the night out in the nice, comfy surroundings under the roof at Marvel. Uh, Michael is on the road. I think he also wants to support me. This is unusual, Michael. Yeah, this is Louis Kane. I usually uh, butt heads with you, but um, I agree with you on this one. And one of the things I really don't get is we're a club like Freo at the moment who have had to go and set up base in another state have their pitch yeah. changed around so they're playing in state instead of playing at home. And we've got a guy who's complaining about their club playing five kilometres away from their home ground. Yeah, excellent point. I couldn't agree with you more. As I said, Justin Longmuir must be, um, yeah, shaking his head if he did read those thoughts from Brendan Gale yesterday. Uh, Prabs is in Canberra. Hi, Prabs. What's it like in Canberra this morning? Um, good day, Ken. How are you doing? I'm good. Yep, uh, first thing, you're, you're more playing my mobile this Saturday. What do you reckon? I want to know your opinion, man. You're, you're the expert. <laughs> I'm the supposed expert. Yeah, I, I just had the caller before. I just think 
Um, the Western Bulldogs midfield is so powerful at the moment. And um, I did see that uh, Harold Sun, it might have been Kingy and, and Daniel Hoyne from Champion Data, had an amazing stat during the week that teams that win contested footy this year, I think, win the game 86% of the time, which is through the roof. And Western Bulldogs have been so strong in that area. So that's where I think they'll they'll get the advantage, perhaps, unfortunately. And they perhaps are too strong for Port Adelaide on Saturday night. Denise is on the line. Brock, Craig, Gary and Tex will get to you in Torquay. Tex from Torquay, how good. Listen to This Is Your Sporting Life on Sunday with Sammy Edmund. He's going to chat to Western Bulldogs. He was a superstar, Brad Johnson. Um, not sure he gets enough credit for his career. So many games, games record holder, all Australian about a million times. That's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. We'll continue to take your calls on the other side of this. And if you've got a suggestion over how we can make sure the ridiculous mark of the week uh, doesn't happen again, uh, Gillan McLaughlin, I think, has just spoken on 3AW. Even he said it was the weirdest thing that he's heard. It was the best mark he's seen in years, according to Gillan. He feels confident that Shea will be there at the end when the All-Australian Committee adds five wild card marks in. So he can still win mark of the year, and thank goodness for that. But... What's the way to get around this stupid system where the fans um, debate on it? Hey, Denise has been waiting patiently. Uh, Thanks for waiting, Denise. That's okay. Um, My comment is to Richmond having to play a home game at Marvel. Well, Melbourne and Hawthorne both have to play home games at Marvel or away from the MCG. And it's a case of suck it up. Exactly. If every team... Winston complained. We'd have the teams, all the teams at their home grounds, and we wouldn't have a, ra- a round of football at all. Good on you, Denise. I didn't hear, I didn't hear any complaints from Melbourne. Um, certainly didn't. So um, we'll continue that debate. We're going to hear from Bob Murphy. We'll get to Brock, Craig, Gary, and Tex. We can change topic as well. A lot of good footy to be played over round nine. Who is the team under the most pressure? Who has the most at stake? And what's your certainty for the weekend? Get involved in joining the conversation with us this morning. Famous Dean Cox, the Doc, Peter Larkins. Fair bit on the agenda for the AFL with the injury list at the moment. We'll get the Doc's thoughts on that and Chad's brother's quiz before we wrap up. Now, the first hour was dominated by Richmond having a sook about being moved to Marvel, but also captains. And I thought two performances from round eight were as good a captain's performances as you would have seen. One was on Friday night from Joel Selwood. The other came late on Sunday with Western Bulldogs' Marcus Bontempelli, who is skyrocketing through the ranks of the game's best captains. One man who played with him. And, if you don't mind, the 2015 Captain of the Year, as voted by his peers, SEN's very own Bob Murphy. Bob, thanks for joining me this morning. G'day, Kane. Long-time listener, first-time caller. (laughs) Nice to be on a decent radio show for a change. This is very exciting. Oh, well, you guys you, don't play. You guys have been dominating. You're very creative, uh, Bob and Andy. Back this <laughs> afternoon as well. Have been enjoying the song theme as well. Just getting oh, an artist like or that? or a band well, to sum up your team's well, performance. I do like it. Okay, well, it's been a bit of a hit for us. So feel free to give me a um, a suggestion for uh, for next Monday or in the coming Monday because I know you're a um, bit of a culture vulture. So if you've got a band or a singer, you let me know, mate. Yeah, maybe something out of this decade, Bob, would be good. I don't know. Some, some, <laughs> some Justin Bieber or something? Some Taylor Swift? Come on. Some oh, okay. Beyonce? I'll, I'll... Give me give me something. How long ago was Brian Adams? Is he considered new music? 
Yeah, well, he, he, he'll do that. He's, he's my era as well. <laughs> hey, I, I, I got you on, Bob, because I, I would have made a terrible AFL captain, right? I, I, I would have just been <laughs> n- no good. I, I, I would have had no what? lens for what was going on outside my own little bubble. And, and I mean, that's mm-hmm. a reflection of mine that I would have done some things differently when I was playing. And it probably took you some time to get to the level that you got with your leadership. I, were you 29 when you were named captain? It certainly wasn't no, early on in your career. No, I was, I was 32, yeah, which was right. uh, which for me was a blessing, I think. Yeah, I, I think you're being a bit harsh on yourself because I just think the, the role itself um, just forces you to broaden your, you know, your lens on things. And, you, you're, and not to use too many metaphors, but I noticed um, becoming captain at a late stage that the, the, your antenna becomes very much tuned into uh, other people's problems. Pretty mm. much, it's mm. who's in the side, who's out. You know, foot, foot, football clubs as a business model are, are a really bad business model. You know, 44 players, 22 spots, and at the end of every year, there's always um, redundancy. So, as an actual, mm. and that's if you have a good year. Um, so you're kind of always tuned into managing the sort of um, discontent to a degree. So what, what, so that's the off field. Um, and Ken Inkley always used to say, so the best leaders, but they play well most weeks on game day and they, they sense the moment. Mm. What, what about the extra pressure of having the captaincy badge and being in a game where you're, I don't know, down by three goals just before three quarter time. And you thinking to yourself, oh, I got to do something here. I'm, I'm the captain how much does that weigh on you? Because I'm watching Bontempelli and Selwood and Cochin and the best mm. captains. They sense that moment and they can influence, you know, the old cliche at a captain's time when it's needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think what you're sort of asking now, I always found it was kind of balanced out. For me anyway, Of there is the added responsibility, but also, uh, you know, which is a weight on your shoulders, but it also put air in your tyres because... As a, as a captain, every sort of action, every conversation, every little moment in the game, it has an extra added weight of significance to it. So that can, mm. that can actually sort of, you know, motivate and bring the best out of you, hopefully. Um, but it, it is the thing of um, limitations as well. Though. So, and you mentioned, you know, a few of them. Now. I mean, I look at Max Gorn, Bonte and, and Joel Selwood and, and to a lesser degree, Jack Steele at the moment, I think he's yeah. you know, rising sharply. Yeah. yeah, it's one thing to have those thoughts that you're saying about, you know, of recognising, okay, this game is building to a point where something needs to happen and, and you know, uh, uh, there's going to be a moment of influence and maybe I'm the person to have that. But it's another thing to have the ability to actually go and do that and then execute it. So I'm kind of amazed um, by... Um, so many of the leaders in the game at the moment who who have the ability not just to sort of have the presence of mind to acknowledge it, think themselves through it, but then to actually go and do it and sometimes do it in spectacular fashion. Um, mm. And I, I probably watch him closer, but I, I honestly do think at, at the moment Marcus Bontempelli is is almost head and shoulders above the rest of the the rest of the captains in the league in terms of being able to recognise it and then act upon it. Yeah, so talk to me about him um, and his development because uh, we're sort of witnessing greatness. Uh, he's going to end up, I think, as the Western Bulldogs' greatest ever, which is a massive call. Mm. But if you look at the yeah. resume that he's already got, 
Um, uh, is it a big call, and is that the way he's tracking? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a big call, but um, it's not one that makes me sort of wince or flinch. Mm. Mm. You know, I didn't see EJ Witten play. I played with Chris Grant, but not when he was maybe at his absolute peak. But he's he's a, just a, a very special player. Very, you know, he's a generational kind of player, and he came to us interestingly enough. At, you know, at a really low ebb for the club. And I, I remember joking with a few teammates that it was almost as if there was a computer program and we tapped into the computer what the team and the club needed and it, mm. and the piece of paper it shot out was Marcus Pontempelli. Just um, good in the locker room, influential, you know, incredibly, um, incredibly, you know, talented. And it was it became apparent to us straight away that he was a you know he's a special player and that he was going to be a captain and probably going to be a you know a one of the great captains and and I was uh, I became the, the captain soon after and it was kind of assumed that you know Easton Wood was the vice captain and he'd be the next captain but Easton and I had both had conversations around part of our job was to just shield Marcus for as long as we possibly could because it takes a toll being captain. And mm. although he was probably the number one choice, you'd, we didn't sort of want him to be, have to, you know, have to be the leader at, at 20, you know, have to be captain for 14 or 15 years. You know, the, the longer uh, Ethan and I could sort of uh, hold the role, the sort of um, better it would be for Marcus and the club. That was the sort of rationale anyway. But he was, you know, he was... Um, He's a special one. Yeah, he is. Does it make you nervous that he's unsigned or not? Uh, no, it doesn't really because um, I think, um, I'm sure you've, you've probably dissected this, but there's, there's as many ways and uh, styles to be captain as there is clubs in the league. Um, but, but one of the things that I hold to a, you know, on a high level is you can lead the team, but you can also, um, you can also lead the club. And I think, um, as much as anyone, you know, I, I think Max and, and Joel, Trent, Cochin, you know, clearly, um, you know, they lead their clubs as well as their teams. And, and Marcus is, you know, so invested. He's a, you know, torchbearer for the history of the club, the future of the club. So I, uh, without, you know, I don't speak on his behalf at all, but I, I would imagine it's just a matter of, uh, working out something that's fair and reasonable and something that's fair and reasonable would be a whole heap of money, I would assume. <laughs> I think that's right. And it goes up every week. Yeah, I think I don't think there's any real concerns. Um, where does the award, of all the things you did in footy and you played for such a long period of time, where, where does that AFL uh, Players Association Captain of the Year, which is voted on by the peers, where does it sit with you? Uh, well, I didn't win much stuff, to be honest, game. <laughs> Not, uh, uh, different to yourself, you were more like a football colonel. You had sort of medals dangling from you. No. You wouldn't have got through a. You wouldn't have got through an airport from Don't Port Adelaide, Best and Fairest. But um, but I, I think it. Uh, I, I hold it in, in such high regard because um, that time in in my footy life, everything became very heightened and. I, I'd never tried as hard at anything in my life, I don't think, as being captain of the footy club. Mm. So, um, you know, to be recognised by your peers because that's not really what you sort of think about while you're playing your footy because out on the field it's so hostile and chaotic and 
you shake hands before and after the game, but there's no real connection with your opposition players. So to think that for for a brief moment in time, um, you know, they acknowledged, um, you know, what you did as a leader at that time is, yeah, I, I'm unashamedly proud of it. Good on you, mate. I appreciate you reflecting with us this morning. Now, you're back from three today. Have you got a special sort of outside sort of setup at BMW today? Did I read that somewhere on social media? Apparently so. I'm not sure what the actual You'd better find uh, out. Yeah. <laughs> all, all I know is, Kane, I look after the, the, the micro, which is it's footy jumper Friday. So I'll be uh, taking down a big suitcase of old footy jumpers. Um, Andy, is uh, he looks after the macro. So right. I've got um, it here for you, okay? So and 3 o'clock, guy. Yep. Six, 6 Coventry Road, um, mm-hmm. Nan Warren, that's how I say it, isn't it? Nary Warren. Nary Warren, <laughs> that'll get me. Um, so make sure you know what you're doing. But three to six, Bob okay. and Andy, the guys have been dominating. A um, lot of fun, but a lot of serious stuff as well. They'll take your calls down at BMW, mate. Thanks for your time this morning. God bless you, Kane. Oh, Bob Murphy, and I've done it again. I've done it again, haven't I, people? Because it just texts me off the record tomorrow morning, Kano. Sucked in. So good on you. 15 minutes past 10 o'clock. And if you are heading to Marvel Stadium tonight, and for any other game at Marvel Stadium, for that matter, I'm looking forward to He's the CEO of the AFL Players Association. His name is Paul Marsh. Paul, good to chat again, mate, and thanks for your time. Pleasure, guys. How are you? Good. Uh, how are you, mate? What, what's, what's your biggest agenda items at the moment? And uh, take us inside how you're working your way through them. Yeah, plenty going on. I mean, I think first and foremost, um, you know, just dealing with all the um, issues around you know, getting the season to continue on. So, you know, we've had a few speed bumps with um, with COVID, as you know. So just working through that with the players, um, you know, we've got some big projects on our plate at the moment. So we've got a, another men's CBA to do this year. Um, we've also got a women's CBA coming up next year that we're preparing for. Um Lots of day-to-day issues, just with, with player issues, some of which you know you see in the media, some of which you don't. Um, and obviously then all the support programs and services that we provide to our players. So there's plenty going on. Yeah, it's always a, a big time of the year when you're looking to renegotiate what the players get paid, but by extension, the conditions that they work under. Um, how are those discussions progressing, considering you know the players did cop a bit of a whack, um, as everyone did with what happened last year? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's early stages. We've... Um, pretty much completed a round of club visits to, to catch up with the players and also the um, the club executive team. So we've got a good sense of what the players um, want us to go after. Um, we've started some preliminary discussions with the AFL, but um, they'll ramp up over the coming months. So, yeah, I'm sure it's something we'll talk about later in the year. What are the big things for the players that they would like you to go after? Yeah, I mean, I don't probably want to get into it too much other than to say, I think, you know, um, you know a lot of the the sort of normal issues, as you'd be aware, um, continue to be issues. And I think, you know, with the impact that COVID has had on um, our industry and, and the players as a subset of the industry, there is a real focus on, you know, um, the players almost seeing what I'm calling their football mortality and, you know, a focus on how we're going to help them transition out of the game when that time comes. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of aspects that make up that. Um, so, yeah, plenty to talk about as, as the next few months comes ahead of us. Paul, how have you seen the start to the season? Yeah, I think the game has... Um, uh, it's certainly, um, uh, I think, a more attractive game than perhaps what we've seen in recent seasons. So, um, you know, I think the players' feedback on that has been, you know, that they can see that as well. Um, it's 
scoring, I think, has been up a bit, um, probably starting to flatten out a little bit in recent weeks. Um, so I think, you know, the game is, is looking good. I think one thing I would say is, and, and as I said, we've been getting around seeing the players and the coaches, and there is a bit of concern about the toll the game's taking on the players at the moment. I think when you hear coaches, um, and a number of them have said this, you know, saying that they actually couldn't play today's game because it's that difficult, I think you sort of look at it and go, OK, how, you know, where is the sort of balance here? Um, the game is um, being played at a breakneck speed, and I think we are seeing injuries here. Um, it's difficult to understand you know, the, the full extent of those, but I think we've got to keep a careful eye on that and just make sure we get the balance right between trying to make the game as fast as it can be, um, but also not putting our players at risk. Yeah, it's not an easy balance, is it? Are the AFL, I guess it's Stephen Hawking, are they receptive to that feedback from the players? What are your discussions with him like? Yeah, we've, we've had certainly had some discussions, and I think it is early, and I think we all acknowledge that we're eight rounds into the season, and I think um, it's very difficult to make informed decisions. You know, we've got all the injury data, and we're, we're working through that. Um, but it's something I think, yeah, as the season goes on, we'll be able to have more informed discussions. But, you know, it is something that, you know, the, the AFL clearly has an interest in making sure the game is, is safe for its players. We have a, you know, a significant interest in this. Um, and, you know, if we get to a point where we think it is at all unsafe, we have to have those conversations. So, look, it, 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 it's difficult after eight rounds to make a really informed call, as I said, but we'll keep an eye on it. Is the game too long, Paul? Oh, yeah, I think maybe it is. I think the players' view is that if we could, and even the coaches would be to cut it back to probably 18 minutes a quarter. And I think the AFL is open to that. Um, but, you know, it's, again, it's a, it's a balancing act of um, broadcasters, a part of this mix as well. So, you know, you just need to work through all those different issues. But I'm sure that will be a conversation. When you go to the 18 clubs, are you, the issues that come up, are they across the board usually? Or is there, you know, a different issue for the players in Perth or there? are in Adelaide to the ones in Sydney or is it collectively most of the time the players are on the same page with the biggest challenges facing them at the moment? Yeah, it's a good question. I think um, most of the big issues are pretty common across the clubs but there will be club specific issues. So, you know, we've been up in... um, New South Wales over the last couple of weeks catching up with their clubs and you know there'll be issues around cost of living for example up there which are real issues that need to be looked at Um, the Western Australian clubs travel will be more of an issue than it is for the others so there are things that are um, you know I think reasonably obvious but um, but unique to the, the different markets but a lot of the issues around you know player well-being and mental health and transition and player payments and all that are pretty common amongst the groups. One of the big issues for the AFL right now is you know, how well the players are supported with the soft cap. Now, it doesn't necessarily fall within your sort of area, Paul, but do the players feel supported enough medically and from a coaching standpoint? Uh, different views amongst players on this one. I think... Um, it's a, it's a difficult issue because I think, you know, there's been a significant change in our industry over the last 12 or so months around the soft cap and people get used to what they're used to. And, um, you know, I think there, there's you talk to the groups of players about this and some will say we need more coaches and others will say we don't need more coaches, the balance is right. Um, the medical part of this is critical and I think there is a pretty common view that um, it may have gone too far in, in that respect. Um and I, I think it's a difficult issue because this is about balancing 
everything up and the industry has taken a financial hit over the last 12 or so months everyone's taken a hit with that um, it's now about trying to find the right balance of you know how do we put all the different costs together um, that allow us to you know, can keep a sustainable industry moving forward mm. yeah it is a, a difficult balancing act for them no doubt about that um, let's talk about the issue at Richmond were you comfortable with the way that Richmond handled it, uh, Shea Bolton and also Daniel Rioli, because Gillan McLaughlin perhaps had a different view and, and suggested the players should walk away. How difficult is it for the players when they're mixing with the general population at the moment? Oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a really disappointing that you know, players are finding it so difficult to go out and, and just um, have a night out with partners and friends and teammates, etc. Um, I think this issue maybe has been taken down a a path that's taken it away from what actually happened here. I think what we can't overlook here is that a young woman was inappropriately treated, um, you know, unacceptably. And I think, you know, we need to be better better than that. Um, it is easy to say, you know, the players should walk away. And I think no one's disputing that that's the right course of action. And the majority do that. But sometimes players get caught in situations like this through no fault of their own that end up in, um, in, in issues like this. And I think the thing that's disappointing here is that, you know, the player's partner was actually the one that was inappropriately treated here. And this has become very much about, um, you know, two Richmond players because of their profile. So, you know, I, I think, um, you know, we're working with the club to support the players and the AFL is going through an investigation at the moment. But um, I think, you know, the guys have handled it and the clubs handled it appropriately. So what education do the players receive about being in similar situations to Rioli and Bolton were on the weekend? Yeah, I mean the players receive a lot of education on, on a lot of topics. So but you're in a, a you know, in the moment in a situation like this and as I said a player's um, partner is being harassed or whatever the case might have been. Um, you know, it, you've got to actually put yourself in that moment to understand how you might have reacted. So, yes, they receive education. Um, everyone will have a different view as to how they should have handled it, but um, I said we're pretty comfortable with how they did handle it. Have you spoken to Willie Rioli, Paul, and, and what support are the Players Association offering him at the moment? Yeah, so we have um, an Indigenous relationship manager, Jamie Bennell, who's a former player um, who has been in contact with Willie. I, I can't talk to what um, the conversations mm. have been, but, you know, there's been obviously um, been supporting Willie over the last couple of years with the, the other issues that he has had. Um, and West Coast, I should say, have been terrific in their support of Willie over a long period of time here. So, look, he's going through a difficult period. Um, hopefully, you know, he'll be able to work through this and, and the industry will support him to do that. I, I guess I agree with sort of Ross Lyon's view that he'd be much better off being supported by the footy club and in that environment. Do you share that view that he's better off, you know, the club welcoming him back if that's possible? Yeah, look, I'd, I'd like to think so. I mean, I think, you know, we we have opportunities in this industry to embrace um, our people, whether it be players or others. Um, sometimes mistakes are made, um, but the option is um, is kicking someone to the curb and, and letting them deal with their own issues. And I think as an industry, you know, we've proven over time we're better than that. Um, and I think here's an opportunity for us to make a meaningful difference in a young man's life. So, you know, let's hope we can all put our arms around Willie and, um, you know, hopefully he can learn from this. Well said. Uh, concussion, how big an issue is it for the current day players? I guess it's one of the, the biggest things on the agenda of the AFL at the moment. 
Oh, yeah, it's a huge issue. And it's an issue that, you know, we, the players, the AFL, the clubs are taking very seriously. And obviously the, the industry has taken a more conservative approach to concussion management this year. Um, what we're seeing to this point is that players are missing as a collective more matches um, due to concussion, which is, is obviously largely to do with the revised guidelines around this. Um, we haven't seen an increase in the number of concussions to this point this year, but um, you know, obviously it's an area that we're continuing to to learn more about. I think you know the, the things that we're pushing at the more is uh, at the moment is more research and objective testing, um, and we've been heavily promoting to the players to get involved in those projects so we can you know learn more. Um, so you know it's a big issue. I think we're continually evolving in a positive direction, but there's still work to do. Mm. Uh, would the players be open to? Um playing footy on different days. I and mean, we speak a lot about Thursday night footy. Do you think the AFL's plan is to perhaps package up Thursday night and on-sell that to increase the broadcast rights, Paul? Is, is that a fair assumption? And then there's the Monday night football. Would the players be open to doing that and increasing the revenue from different broadcasters perhaps entering the game? Yeah, I think as a general comment, yes. I mean, the players have shown over a period of time that they're, um, and last year was a great example, that they're really open to um, to ways and, and means to take the game forward. I think there are some ground rules here, though. I mean, you know, playing off less than a five-day break is um, is really problematic. You know, it goes back to the comments I made before just about how hard the game is. Um, so I think, you know, we have to respect that, that there needs to be decent breaks between the games. But, you know, if, if within the, those sort of parameters, you know, we can play on these sorts of nights, then sure, we'd be open to that. Good on you, mate. Appreciate your time on what is a busy schedule. Good luck for the rest of the year. Appreciate it this morning, and hopefully we catch up with you later on in the year. No worries, guys. Good to chat. Still looks in pretty good shape. Still thinks he could play, and I think he probably could, and I reckon I agree with Damo that he still would probably be North Melbourne's top 10 best players, which is a little bit concerning. And Roos fans, do you deserve a priority pick? David Noble says certainly something that they will discuss with the AFL, others saying, well, they sort of got themselves into their own mess. Not sure they should be rewarded with that. But let's shift gears to the international sporting arena. The looming NBA draft is coming up. Who better to get on the line to chat about it? And one of our very own is our next guest, Sam Vecini. He's from The Athletic. He's a draft guru. He's also on the Game Theory podcast. Check that one out. Sam, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Hey, how's it going, man? Oh, I'm good, and it's good to he- hear your voice again. Now, you work for The Athletic, which is one of the biggest sports websites slash media companies in America, and you are the number one NBA draft guru. So right now, I guess you're in heaven with the draft coming up. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm excited for the draft. I'm excited for the playoffs that are coming up. It feels more wide open than any time that I can remember. Uh, you know, in the last, you know, seven or eight years at least in the NBA in terms of teams that have a realistic chance to win the title. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to uh, this NBA draft class, which is really uh, strong, particularly at the top. So I think there's a lot for NBA fans to be excited about right now. Yeah, so talk to us about about the draft class. I mean, you know it a lot better than what we do. Is there a clear number one pick this year? Yeah, I think so. I think that Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State, he's from Arlington, Texas. Uh, I think he's the clear number one guy. He's like a six foot eight point guard, averaged about twenty points, six rebounds, three assists this year. And if you kind of go back, 
through his past, through his upbringing, you can see that he has a lot of the traits that NBA teams look for in terms of being able to play the point guard position despite that size. And if you go back to his high school pick, he was throwing some really unbelievable passes uh, to a team that was one of the best high school teams that we've seen in the last decade here in the United States. So, uh, you know, Cade Cunningham, I think, is number one. There are three or four other guys that have solidified themselves with top five picks. And then uh, once you get past that, it's, it's really pretty open at this point, depending on what uh, NBA evaluator that you speak to. Mm. Sam, what was what was last year like for you? You're living in the US. Are, are you back in Australia now? Are you, are you in Melbourne? And, and what's the last 12 months been like for you? Oh, I mean, it's been, it's been a lot. I'm, I'm back in Melbourne. I've been in Melbourne now for six months. I, it's just like kind of a flip whenever I say, you know, here in the United States, just because I think <laughs> that my brain hasn't totally wrapped, wrapped itself around that uh, yet, despite loving it here. I'm back in Melbourne. It's... Uh, fantastic it's great i mean i live up in coburg you know we're in the northern suburbs and it's it's been a it's been a hell of a move but it's been a good one you know where did you move from where were you living in the u.s yeah uh, my wife and i were living in los angeles for seven or eight years and she's from coburg originally so we decided we wanted to move back i wanted to kind of make our life here instead and uh, you know, we not change that for the world to be sure, you know, it doesn't really create as many complications as you would expect for me work-wise, just given how interconnected the world is, uh, from a perspective of getting your hands on, uh, evaluation tape for prospects from a perspective of being able to talk to people in you know, a variety of ways from the phone to Zoom to Skype to WhatsApp, whatever there is. I mean, everyone is, uh, always looking for information, so it's always good to uh, you know, good to have someone on this side of the world. I think uh, NBA teams are uh, pretty happy about that. Yeah, I can imagine it. Um, that's that's great to hear. And where else would you rather be than, than in Australia at the moment? Sam Vecini is the athletic uh, draft guru. Is also on the Game Theory podcast, speaking to him about the upcoming NBA draft. So all, all the talk for us here and all the interest is around Josh Giddy, who I know you're a massive fan of. I think Woj on ESPN said he's looming as a top 10 draft pick or certainly pushing towards that. Where do you see his stock and where do you think he'll be selected in what range? Yeah, you know, I've got him pretty firmly in that next group of prospects after the top five guys. Uh, right now, I get him somewhere in the 10 to you know 20 range, I would say pretty mm. comfortably. The thing with him is he's just, such a steady dude you know everyone you talk to over here in australia just speaks glowingly about his professionalism about his work ethic uh this is a kid that was six foot seven like a hundred and probably 70 pounds 175 pounds maybe a year and a half ago you go and see their game i went and see them play uh went and saw them play melbourne united he's pretty well built together now like he's probably mm. i don't know that he's 200 pounds yet but he's certainly pushing it and has really put in the time and effort on his frame. Unbelievable passer, obviously. That's what everyone kind of points to. He has a real shot to lead the NBL in this this year. Uh, and the rest of the game, I still think, is coming along. And I think the teams are uh, a little bit more hesitant about him playing the point guard position. Most see him more as kind of a off-ball secondary playmaker who can do a lot of different things. But 
know, those guys get paid a lot of money too in the NBA. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of reason to be excited about Josh Giddy. I think that uh, Australian basketball fans should be genuinely really pumped uh, about kind of everything that he's displayed so far. So what's the, what's the knock on him? Is it his shooting? Oh, it's a shooting leg now. We all know that. And is there similarities between him and Ben Simmons? Yeah, you know, the names that come up for me whenever I talk to NBA people about him, and I think these are two pretty good names, uh, are somewhere between like Joe Ingles and Lonzo Ball as opposed to LaMelo Ball, who was over here last year. Mm. Uh, the shooting is obviously concerned, but most NBA teams do think that he will shoot it at a pretty reasonable clip at some point in his career. Again, he's only 18 years old. He's dealing with having put on a lot of weight in a short period of time, dealing with continuing to grow. Uh, you know, sometimes that can just kind of mess with mechanics. As soon as he gets comfortable with his body, it'll kind of help him really nail down his shooting ability. There's nothing there in terms of touch to really be worried about. The two things that I get most from NBA teams are the handle and explosiveness combination. Uh, he's a little bit of a loose ball handler right now. You know, I, again, I saw Mitch McCarron from Melbourne United just really kind of get up under his skin, really crawl mm. into his face and cause a difficult time for him, uh, which is why I think most evaluators see him more as a two-guard as opposed to, like, a true point guard, despite the body of his total. Uh, and then defensively, he just kind of has to get better. He has to get a little bit more solid, has to get uh, just more comfortable within scheme. Uh, I think that'll happen. You know, like I said, these kids that are super professional uh, have a great approach to the game. The defensive side of the floor comes as long as you're willing to put in the effort at it. I think the handle combined with the athleticism is where uh, teams are just a little bit hesitant to call him more of a point as opposed to uh, an mm. off-ball secondary creator. Before we let you go, mate, uh, playoffs are about to, to start with the new sort of in uh, play-in games, that is. But who do you like? I mean, a lot of injuries to the biggest stars in the game, the Nets, the Lakers, uh, Utah. But who do you favor to, to win the title this year? Yeah, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. If, if LeBron and Anthony Davis are fully healthy, it's hard to bet against the Lakers, I think. Uh, if James Harden is fully healthy, he just came back last night in the United States. Uh, you know, I, I think it's hard to bet against the Nets in the East. That team is just unbelievably talented. Uh, they're going to be nights where all three of James Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant are going to be on the court. And the opposing team's third best perimeter defender is going to have to guard one of those guys. And most teams just don't have the kind of firepower defensively to be able to deal with that. So uh, if those two teams aren't healthy, I really like both Utah and uh, the Los Angeles Clippers as well. I feel like the Clippers have flown really far underneath the radar this year, but uh, they've made some real changes to help the weaknesses that they had last year in terms of ball movement uh, and in terms of rim protection. And then on top of it, uh, Utah has just been a buzzsaw this year. I feel like we've kind of underrated how good the Jazz have been. They are by far the best regular season team that we've seen this year in the NBA. Their point differential uh, in terms of what they're beating teams by is drastically first place in the NBA. So part of me kind of feels like we might be underrating uh, just how dominant they've been. But, you know, at the end of the day, if LeBron James is on the court, it's just hard to bet against the Lakers, right? Well said, mate. Absolutely right. Hey, thanks for your insights this morning and great news for the Aussie kid, Josh Giddy, looking to be somewhere between 
10 and 20 in the NBA draft, which would be a huge achievement. Hey, we'll catch up with you after the draft, perhaps, mate. Thanks for your time. Yeah, looking forward to it, Ken. Sam Vecini. So the NBA draft is on the 29th of July. With Kane Corns. Yeah, you can join in the conversation with us, as always, on that line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Brock's on the road. He wants to speak about St Kilda. Morning to you, Brock. Morning, Kane. First of all, what happened last week? I called 18 times. I was on hold for 30 minutes, mate, and I couldn't get on. We're just that Thanks popular, big, Brock, that we just, just couldn't get through. No one wants to hear from me. <laughs> they they no, did. They had, a, they had an important win. We, we beat the Hawks. We thrashed the Hawks last week. And then uh, a game that probably would have would have dropped over the last few years, being down and out at three-quarter time, we come back and win. We got the double-headed snake back with Marshall and Ryder, giving the first use to our midfield that bats deep. So t- are you confident fair, tonight? Well, I reckon we're a fair chance to give the Cats a run for their money at Marvel, mate. Smaller All ground right. than they're used to. Won't be as much space in the forward line for their big boys. All right, you're always glass half full, Brock, which I admire about you. Um, glass half empty would have been well, the Saints kicked four goals for three-quarter time and then got it done. But you got the win. Season still alive at four and four, just outside the eight. Big challenge tonight against the Red Hot Cats. Thanks for your call, mate. Appreciate it. Craig's in Coburg North. Hi, Craig. Hi, Kane. Uh, at finals time last year, I rang in, got on your show, and I was arguing that the grand final rule at the MCG should be done away with. And, you know, I was thinking mostly at the time of the 2017 grand final, like, for example, when Adelaide finished the minor round top, won their first two finals and were forced to play the grand final at the MCG. And so I was arguing that my, my argument at the time was, you know, what's the point of an equalisation policy or, or an integrity department for the competition when you've got this rule that... Uh, compromises everything mm. and, and and this year this year you know we've got a situation where we could have a melbourne port grand final where melbourne will play a dozen or so games there and port will play two so and at the time when i made that call so my question to you is like because at that time you disagreed with me and you said no i think that the mcg you called it the home of football and the grand final should mm. st- still be played at the mcg so my question now is given some of the discussion earlier this morning what, has your opinion changed? And if not, why not? Because I, I can't see how you can argue all the things you're arguing about favouritism to Richmond and stop short on this grand final issue. Well, it's, it's firstly, it's a debate that's not worth having, at least for the next 34 years or something, because it's it's locked in. My, my point is, if I want to win a premiership, I would prefer it to be at the MCG in front of 100,000 people. I don't think any other stadium in the country has the capacity to offer that experience. Now, I was at the Gabba for the grand final. I was there live sitting in the crowds, and it, it was it was great, but it's not the MCG. Uh, it still is the home of football. I, I have no issue with the grand final being played at the MCG, but I think there's things that the AFL could do with the fixturing to make it a more of an even playing field to give teams like Port Adelaide, to use your example, more experience at playing at the MCG and take a couple away from teams that absolutely dominate that ground. So my issue isn't with where the grand final is played. It is with the access that other teams get to playing on the ground that the grand final has been played at. Uh, Stick around. We've got a big one coming up. We've got Craig Digby, Dwayne's on the road, Anthony Dale also wants to chat. We're going to speak to an AFL Hall of Famer, if you don't mind. 
West Coast champion, Sydney, going pretty well. Just hang in there. I want to ask Dean Cox about Buddy Franklin. Is he still sore? Because I saw him have a couple of shots from outside 50 and not make the distance and one he didn't even have a go at. And also, he almost got stuck in Sydney when the Swans were playing at the MCG. We'll get his thoughts on that. Dean Cox to join us on the other side of this. He's in the ruck. Dan Houston's having a rest with that shoulder. And Riley Bonner comes back in for the match of the round against the Western Bulldogs. Another ripping game will be at the SCG. This one on Saturday. Sydney Swans taking on Collingwood. 1.45 Victorian time. And one of Sydney's assistant coaches and West Coast champion joins us on the line. Dean Cox is his name. Coxie, thanks for your time, mate. Dane, good morning. You had a hectic week. I'm not sure you would have experienced anything like it in your professional AFL career. You're stuck in Sydney. You weren't sure whether you're going to get to the game. You got there, mate. Take us inside what went on. Yeah, so um, obviously three of us, three of us assistants went and got a bite to eat just around the around the corner from our training facility and um, found out two days later that it was uh, one of the COVID hotspots and um, it was only a casual site, but we had to get tested, which we did the night before, and then um, had to wait, and then the Melbourne government wouldn't let us in. So um, we had everything set up to, to go and coach from the Giants stadium after, obviously, the Giants played that day and um, and try and commute out there and then relay messages into the coach's box into, into Melbourne. And then the day after, we come in the footy club and everything got passed off. We had about an hour to get to the airport, and away we went. Crazy times, mate. Crazy, crazy, crazy world that we. So, were you going to be on? Was it going to be via Zoom, or you were going to watch the with your screens, obviously, and then communicate via Zoom or over the internet? I guess. Yeah, so I think one of the things that the AFL were um, keen to do as well was to give us access to all four camera angles. So we we're going to set right. up in a coach's box at GWS and um, watch the screens and and then speak to to someone in the coach's box, but. And the part was as well, we had some other people there to coach as well. We didn't want to make it too um, too many voices, but everything got mm. passed off in the end, which was good. I was at that game against uh, Melbourne. Uh, highly competitive, as you have been all year. And as to be fair, as Sydney teams have been for you know, the last 20 years. But w- what did Melbourne do particularly well? I mean, they're, they're unbeaten. What was it about them if you, as you reviewed that game that they're doing really well? I think their pressure. You know, it was one of the highest pressure games for the for the year, and, and they've been doing that consistently. I think what they also do is the way that they set up behind the ball. Um, you know, probably the difference in the end was um, probably the difference with the key position players. That a couple of their key forwards had really big impacts on the game. They kicked four and three goals, and you know they restricted our key forwards really well. So you know, we had 12 more inside 50s, um, generated one contested possession, um, clearances, but um, just couldn't get it done ahead of the ball. And, you know, that's one thing Melbourne's done all year is defend really well, and they did that again on the night. Yeah, they certainly did that. Um, but it's been, I mean, has, has the form pleasantly surprised you? Like, if you had to sit at the start of the year, the young Sydney Swans would be sitting six at five and three with a home game against Collingwood on Saturday. It's a really good position to be in. Has it surprised you how well you've competed this year? Um, well, probably a couple of the early games against some really quality opposition away from home. Um, but, you know, I think over the summer... We knew we blooded a lot of these kids sort of last year and saw some, a lot of potential in the way that they played. And, you know, tried to adapt last year a different style and what we wanted to, to do going forward. And I suppose we didn't get really a lot of opportunity towards the back end of the year. And 
um, yeah, so they've come on. They train well over the summer, and you know some of our senior players are allowing them to to play key roles in our footy team. And um, you know it's really exciting going forward. But you know five and three is great, but mm. we need to keep winning. And I guess the the fatigue nature that comes in with particularly first year players, but second and third yep. as well, it's sort of hit the group. Of, Blake, he's, you know, he's been, the Lizard's been sub and he's missed out. Uh, Logan McDonald has lost his place in the side. Campbell's the same. Goulden is such a talent, but has, has dropped off a little bit with how much footy he's getting. How are you balancing the workload of the youth that you've got? Yeah, I think that's probably the, the toughest thing to do is to, you know, do you give them games off? Do you uh, weekends off? Do you reduce their training loads throughout the week? So I think it's a combination of all those. And, mm. you know, it's really tough for, for young players to come in and, and play key roles. But to do it consistently um, at AFL, that was a really tough ask for them. So, um, you know, second-year players in Chad Warner as well as, you know, being inconsistent at times. But, um, you know, that's what you're going to get from some of these kids. And we've just got to keep giving them the opportunity to try and reduce them throughout the week and, hopefully get them ready for match so that they can play their role for the footy club. Do you foresee many changes for your, for your lineup? Of course, that'll be named this afternoon. You don't have to tell us, but um, are you looking at many changes again for this game tomorrow? Oh, there might be a couple. I think one thing you want to try and do is to steady your football team. You know, I think leading into Gold Coast as well, we've sort of had five and six changes each week and you know, we want to make sure that we can try and consolidate our team as well as we possibly can and mm. make as little limited changes as possible and get them playing some footy together. So that's really important. Um, you know, there's always one or two, but um, nothing drastic this week. I'm hesitant to ask about Buddy because I know you, you guys cop this question yep. all the time. It, it's tiresome. But I, I saw him not make the distance from 50 and then not opt to have a shot from 50 on, on the junction of the 50 metre and, and the, um, the boundary line. I think it was in the third quarter. He would usually have a shot from his spot. Is he... Is he right? Is he still sore? Give us an update. No, he's okay. He's good. Um, you know, I think leading into that game, he trained, um, you know, for probably 10 days leading in properly. He's trained again this week um, fully as well. So, you know, Lance is fine. And I think, you know, Lance would be the first one to admit that he didn't perform the way he'd like to and got beaten on the night. So, mm. um, you know, it doesn't happen too often. Uh, mm. But May was really good on him and, yeah, he'll play his role for the team. He'll be back at his firing best, hopefully, this week and um, for the games to come as well. Uh, a couple of other injury updates. Great to see Naismith back. He's going to return yep. through the VFL, so that'll that'll help you, and particularly with Hickey, who looks a little bit banged up as well with the work that he's doing. Yeah, so it's really good news for Sam. Well, I think, you know, to have his second knee recon, um, he's been through a lot um, on and off the field, so you know, the boys have rallied around him. He's put a, a mountain of work in to get his body right, and you know, he'll, he'll play probably a half against the Collingwood in the VFL. So really excited about that. And yeah, you know, certainly helped Tom. He's obviously did the PCL and come back really quickly and then uh, had to butter up against Gorn and, and now Grundy. But he's been really good for us. I think when he first got here and he knows what he can and can't do on a football field and he's doing a lot right at the minute. Mm. Uh, you are the expert of all things Ruckman. Like one of the best we've ever seen with all, with all due respect. I know you'll be humble about it, but... How do you see the ruck stakes across the competition? A lot of talk about their influence all, often with the hit-out numbers and, and perhaps them being overrated. How, how do you see the, the modern ruckman? Oh, I think they vary. I think, you know, if you talk hit-out numbers to the first probably part is the connection piece. And, you know, if you look at um, 
the really dominant centre-bounce ones, which is, you know, when you're playing a 6-6-6 game at the minute, it makes it really dynamic for footy teams. And Nat Nui is obviously the best at that. And then sort of gone with his um, contested marking around the ground, his intercept possessions. I think he was number two for Melbourne, um, mm. the highest intercept team. And, and Grundy, what they can do around the ground with generating balls. So, you know, I think, I think they all differ, which is really good. Um, you know, they have their own strengths and they're playing to them at the minute and there's no sort of uh, certain way that every player has to play is um, what's good for the team and, and there's been a few that have been doing that. Just a word on Collingwood. Uh, back to some good form against North Melbourne last week, but it's been a tough year for them. Key players getting their hands on the footy in, in more to go yeah. kick six, you know, Maynard and Chris. So they got they got some talent in the side. Grundy's another one. Uh, how do you see them and, and how prepared are you for them? Uh, we're really prepared. I think, and that's what they did last week, is to, to bounce back with their pressure around the ball. I think, you know, they defended really well. They defended higher. Um, and obviously some, some personnel changes to that with... It's obviously Jordan spending a heap of time forward and he's such a, a damaging player and you know, Pendlebury doing something a little bit different and um, obviously more to back to centre back at 11 intercept marks or something. So, mm. um, yeah, they've got their mojo back and you know, something we've got to be really dangerous and look out for. When you say defending higher, um, explain that to, to the average footy fan for us. Uh, so they're sort of in a position where they're relative to where the ball is, the defenders. Mm. So, you know, a lot of players might not necessarily be back shoulder all the time and some take some proactive positioning and, you know, try and force the operator to kick at the spots where they can outnumber. And, um, you know, I think most sides certainly um, want to tighten the ground up as much as possible. And, you know, they got back to doing that. Coxie, before we let you go, the biggest issue for the AFL at the moment is is how well supported the clubs are and how to increase that. And uh, do you feel under the pump? There's not a lot of coaches there at Sydney. You're asked to do the same thing for no more money. In fact, probably less. Yourself, McVay, Pike and Benny Matthews. Do you feel under the pump and do you need to be better supported? Oh, I think one thing that you do all the time is, you know, when you the players certainly leave, you've still got a fair bit of work to do. You know, so first of all, we're here for for the players to, to develop them as footballers, but also as people. You know, mm. We want to try and get to know them as close as we possibly can so you know we can develop them in all areas. And I think part of it as well is that you know everything you have to do, the, the hours are longer. Um, there's no doubt about that because you've still got the same amount of players with a lot less people. So, mm. um, yeah, no, we still love what we're doing, but, um, yeah, the, the weekly grind does come a little bit more. Yeah, and I guess does it take a toll on your your family life as well? I guess that's that's obvious. Yeah, it is, and um, you know, sort of the drop off and pick up from school and that sort mm. of become a little bit tougher. And the club try to manage that as much as you possibly can, and you know, the club's really good for that. But it still demands, um, you know, what's required. So um, we want to make sure that we can produce the best football we possibly can as as often as we can. So we'll, we'll spend the time to do that. Good on you, mate. Hey, appreciate your time. Really do. And, and good luck tomorrow against the Pies. No problem. Thanks, Kane. What a player. And developing into a highly respected coach as well, perhaps with senior coach uh, written all over him. The Sydney Swans taking on Collingwood. Massive game for Nathan Buckley and Collingwood, as each and every one is when you start one and six. Time now to get to protect you and your whole squad. Chat to the TAC team next game day to find out how you can enter. Check out your car's safety rating at howsafeisyourcar.com.au. 
been a big year? Get a big deal at Nissan. Right now, when you finance an X-Trail or cash card with Nissan, you get up to three years free service. That's big. Get into Nissan for a big deal. T's and C's apply. Approved private and ABN applicants only. On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. 22 minutes past 11 o'clock. Very busy morning, and it's good morning to you if you're just tuning into us moments ago. Dean Cox taking a lot of your calls on Richmond's game at Marvel this weekend, and we'll hear from Gillan McLaughlin on that very, very shortly. But right now, it's time to get to an absolute guru with a quarter of the competition sitting on the sidelines with injury. Who better to talk about just that than our next guest, Dr. Peter Larkins? Doc, thanks for joining us, mate. Hey, good morning, Kane. It's a big number, 177 players named on the official AFL injury list this week. How concerned are you? Oh, well, it's way above normal numbers, Kane. I mean, historically, we, we sort of know from all the data that on, on any given week, normally 16% of the workforce, I call them, the playing list is unavailable. So that represents six to eight players on average across the, the 42 to 44 players on a list. So when she, once you hit 20 plus, you know that we've got a much higher... You know, and, and these are obviously your, your best available 42 players. So getting up to 23, 24% is is extraordinarily high. Um, hopefully it's a blip, but it is certainly much mm. larger than we've seen in other seasons at this stage of the year. We heard from Paul Marsh, who the CEO of the Players Association, say concussion isn't necessarily more than what we've seen in previous years. It's just that players have been forced to sit out. Um, the right move yep. from the AFL, the way they're starting to manage this issue? Oh, no question about that. I mean, I think there's two things I'd say to Paul's comment. One is there's far more concussions being documented because, dare I say, when you were playing Kane, concussion wasn't highlighted a lot. Mm. And there were many players who, who um, you know, had a head knock or a ding or dizzy or a bit weak and, and they weren't called concussions. So if you look at the absolute raw data, you say, oh, there's a lot more concussions. No, they've always been there. It's just we respect it a lot more. They obviously miss more games because of the new requirements, Kane. So in terms of time missed from concussion, it looks like it's much greater, but perhaps it should have been that in the past. But I think if we look at the soft tissues and we look at the dislocated shoulders and the ACLs and the syndesmosis ankles, yeah. we're talking about you know longer-term injuries also being out for some star players, Kane. So I think you know in terms of the way the game intensity's gone and the tackling and... You know, the openness of the game's great to watch, um, but I think it's having an impact, as has the reductions in, in medical and physio staff, which I think should be highlighted a bit while we chat too, Kane. Yeah, no, no doubt. So let's talk about that. I, I was really concerned yeah. about that at the end of last season. I think 11 club doctors, I'll be right in saying, have 12. moved on. 12, is it? Year yeah, on 12, year. 12 senior medical and physio staff moved on. So we all hear about, you know, budget cuts at the clubs and, you know, the AFL house has reduced their staff and... There's less assistant coaches. And what perhaps the, the listeners don't realise, Kane, is there's been a real cutback at clubs on their budget spend on the medical and physio care during the week, Monday to Friday, between games. Mm. Um, and 12 really highly respected and experienced people left after the hub. And 2020 was a very demanding year on people with good, you know, with families. And some, I know doctors who went away for four weeks and spent 14 weeks away from their family in, because mm. of the hub stuff, Kane. And then there was anything from a 25 to 40% reduction um, not only in numbers at the clubs, but in salaries being paid. And these, it's a very almost a full-time demanding job. So um, I think Paddy Dangerfield was right when he said that the players during the week aren't getting access to as much recovery or, or massage or physio. And I think that has an accumulation effect as well. It's, it's, it's a really important component that needs to be highlighted. Yeah, I 
uh, don't doubt that at all. Um, what about syndesmosis? I, when you mentioned when I was playing, is this the old yep. school rolled ankle or yeah. what is it? it seems well, to be I guess it was called a high ankle. Be. It was a high ankle, and I had to explain at times what a high ankle was. So a standard rolled ankle, when your your, your foot rolls to the outside and the, the outside of your, your ankle is closer to the ground, the so-called lateral ligaments or lateral sprain, it represents 80-85% of the standard sprains, whether it's netball, basketball or footy. But when you roll the opposite way, so your foot rolls closer to the ground on the inside, it's the medial ligaments, which are much tougher and stronger. And when they get, get torn, they also tear a ligament deeper inside the ankle, which runs up in the centre of the ankle, goes higher up. And that's called the syndesmosis in its, its true medical term. But it always happened in footy. It was always a much more severe injury. But two things have changed, Kane. One... There's now a surgical process to repair that that wasn't talked about much in the past because we didn't have the equipment or the right sort of what we call um, suture anchors or tight ropes, as they're called, to, to repair them. Secondly, the tackling techniques with clubs now, with the, you know, with the improvements in protecting the head and no spear tackles and no sling tackles, players are being dragged to ground by the opponents. So if I'm tackling you, my job's to bring you to ground. So often it's my body weight on top of your body weight. And if your legs get caught under mine, your foot gets twisted very awkwardly into this syndesmosis position. So I think there's two components to why we're hearing about it more. And um, part of that is going to have to be looked at in terms of whether that tackling technique's got to be looked at from a safety point of view as well for the for the ankle as much as it is for the head cone. A couple of injury, sorry, individuals I'd like to ask you about. Are you concerned when you read reports that uh, Patrick Cripps is playing with stress fraction in his back that requires pain-killing injections? Now, I don't know if that is true and the club has sort yeah. of half-played it down. Yeah. What would he be getting injected if he is getting injected, and what's the long-term well, repercussions? Yeah, look, I won't be that? specific on Patrick, but no. the, you know, local anaesthetic in footy has been around ever since Lee Matthews boasted that you know there was none left in Queensland after the Tigers, <laughs> uh, the, the, the Lions won all those flags in the early day, and so you know, local anaesthetic in in a selected use for someone who's got an injury that's quite minor and just needs a bit of pain relief is quite acceptable. But I really get concerned when I hear about significant injuries being injected for players to go back on the ground. I think it sets a bad example for junior sport. Mm. But it also, sometimes you don't even have the correct diagnosis. So when we're talking back pain, particularly if there's a stress fracture or when you get need in the back, you can get a fracture of the vertebrae called the transverse process where all the muscles attach. So it's not inside the spine. But it's very painful, and, and let me say it has been um, treated with injections in the past by a, a number of different clubs. And I really, I, I do grimace a bit when I hear about it, Kane, because I think it's very difficult, you know, for a player to play properly, to bend over, to, to kick and run when you've got a, a, a fracture in the back, and just blocking the pain is not healing the problem, Kane. And so we've got a litigation issue generally across the whole range of things in footy at the moment. So. Uh, you know, in the case you're talking about, I, I'm quite uh, bemused by the coach saying that he didn't know the medical condition that was being mm. treated by the doctors. There's either a disconnect in communication at that club or they're not being honest about it because mm. it, it really does look like he's struggling, Cripps. And uh, and whether he's having the injections or not having the injections and the, the, for the coach to say he doesn't know, that's to me, that's quite strange. And and, you know, is it the right treatment? Look, only the medical people will have to clarify that. And let me make the point about informed consent, Kane. You know, if you're going to get injected to play with a broken hand or a, a dislocated collarbone, then you have to sign a form to say you're willing to go back on and do that. Otherwise, clubs are going to get sued for bad treatment. We've seen that in the past. I mean, Carlton of all clubs, Kane, needs to look up the Adrian Whitehead case. I don't know if you recall that or the listeners no. do, but Adrian Whitehead is a famous Carlton case. So I would suggest... 
Carlton remind themselves about that, and every club should remind themselves about that when they're talking about having a player play with repeat local anaesthetic yes. injections for a condition that hasn't been healed yet. Yeah, I think Ty's Antuck as well from Richmond is also... Well, Ty's another extraordinary avenue. case just in the paper a couple of weeks ago. And that's you know and this opens up a Pandora's box who, of anyone who played in the 1990s and early 2000s and said, oh, yeah, that happened to me. I mean, this is something the AFL doesn't want. I'm not saying it was great medicine, Kane. But I'm saying it's not just one club that does this. And, and you know, I, I personally think it's got to be reined in a bit. I think modern medicine is different. Modern litigation is different. And if it means the player misses a couple of extra weeks, that's player welfare at its best. And it should be put into place. Yeah, I think we could all, all agree on that. Hey, Doc, good chat to you for hours. I know you're busy, mate. Appreciate your time Thanks, this morning. Kane. Talk to you down Dr. the track. Thank Peter Larkins. You can have your say on any of that. Hey, on the other side of the 11.30 news headlines, good news for... Gillan McLaughlin speaking on 3AW this morning. So the league is going to release the fixture for round 13 and 14 this afternoon. Um, and according to the Herald Sun, it'll be Port Adelaide and Geelong Thursday night footy at Adelaide Oval for that round 13 game. So we've got it back. Thank goodness. And that will be met well, I would have thought. Absolute blockbuster between Geelong and Port on that Thursday night around 13. We'll wait and see what the other fixture has in store when that's released this afternoon. Time now to catch up with the Melbourne Rebels. The Rebels versus the Auckland Blues. This Saturday, you can grab your tickets at Ticket Tech. Joining us now is the interim coach, Kevin Foote. Kevin, thanks for your time. Thanks, Kane. Thanks for having me. Never ideal when a um, coach loses their job mid-season, but uh, you're the man. How have you seen how that's eventuated this year? Yeah, um, obviously it's not ideal, Kane. I'm uh, very close to Dave and to Sean. Um, so we've gone from four coaches to two, which is always tricky, but you know, a great opportunity for myself, and I'm very grateful for that. And the love and support I've got from the board and from the players has been pretty immense, so pretty grateful. Is it something you, you're looking at doing long-term? Do you want the job? Yeah, I would love to do it. I mean, uh, I was actually a head coach back in South Africa 10 years ago and then made the move into Super Rugby and didn't want to be a head coach at that stage. I wanted to learn about the game and, and upskill myself. And I was lucky enough to move across all platforms, um, coaching attack, defence and skills. So uh, something I was thinking about, but didn't expect it to come as soon as it has. Mm. How are the nerves? You'll be coaching your first game tomorrow in the Trans-Tasman competition. Your preparations, are, how's the butterflies? Yeah, no, nervous, but good nervous. Um, obviously, like I said, huge opportunity. Uh, the boys have shifted now. They took their time and we gave them the space to obviously go through the new the new roles of everybody and um, they reacted well. So even if uh, we didn't have the bad news in the beginning of the week, I would have said that this was a good week's preparation and the guys have reacted well, so very excited. Yeah, some good news as well. Superstar Matt Tuamua re-signed with the Rebels. Another couple of years, pretty exciting to have him locked away. Yeah, awesome. I mean, Matty's a huge part of the club and, uh, you know, to have his investment just shows that he's, he's, um, his buying is massive for all of us. So, uh, really excited. He stepped up, obviously, in the interim as well to help out with the, some of the messaging and the role clarity around our attack. So, also just very grateful that Matty's decided to stay. What sort of coach will you be, Kevin? Passionate. <laughs> good, good. Will, will, you, will, you, will you get grumpy if you, you got a temper? Will you be? Will you be honest or uh, more supportive? What's your style? 
No, I'm I'm all about love. So our culture at the club is love. Um, you know, I am. I would say that I'm passionate if you got to know me, but I've obviously had to manage the the dark side of that. So I think I'll be pretty honest and um, caring. But I, 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 one of my biggest values is empathy and having played the games, I know what the players are going through. So whether it be lack of form or injury. You know, selection, I get that. So always listening with an empathetic ear, but making sure that our passion and our hearts in the right place to perform for Melbourne and our club. Good on you, mate. Sounds like a pretty good mix to me. Good luck tomorrow in your first Thanks, game man. and good luck for the rest of the year. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's the Rebels interim coach, Kevin Foote. Now, the Rebels are taking on the Blues. That's tomorrow, Amy Park, 7.45. You want to grab your tickets, just jump on the Ticket Tech website, and do that. So Gillian McLaughlin has spoken this morning to 3OW, which he does regularly. Now, one of our topics this morning is Richmond complaining about moving a game to Marvel or playing at Marvel, which I can't understand. Gil was asked about that and why this morning. Um, this is the, the technical answer, as you know, is we have contracts, but it's been around for, for a while. It's an amazing venue, and... Um, you know, I'm, uh, I think people understand why we're playing footy there. Understand it. Richmond don't, and they're not happy about it. He was also asked about another issue at Richmond. This I do agree with. What a ridiculous situation where Shea Bolton wasn't awarded mark of the round. Gil was asked why. I must say, it was the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Anyway, Which- that mark was very good. Shai's was... Oh, it, it was great. My check's mark was very good, uh, but... Joe Bolton's was, you know, uh, you know, uh, best I've seen in years. So, thankfully, we've corrected that. So, you know, obviously the the, the public disagrees with me and maybe you, um, but there's now provision that the AFL, um, uh, I think it's actually the All Australian Committee, which I can add five marks beyond the week to week public voting, and I, I feel confident that Shai's will be there at the end when when um, the Hall of Fame selection, the All-Australian Selection Committee can add five marks. Yeah, so he can still, that audio, thanks to 3AW, of course, uh, he can still win mark of the year, thank goodness, because 23 marks of the round, there's 23, but there's the addition to add an extra five at the All-Australian Selector's discretion. But then once again, it's going to be put to a public vote. So that, that was how Jeremy Howard didn't win mark of the year one year as well so it's affected Collingwood as well he was overlooked and last year I'm not certain Sam Sam Walsh was a great mark but I'm not sure that was mark of the year and for such a big honour in the game it has to be better hand it over to the All Australian selectors I mean what do they do week to week jump on the phone five minutes have a conversation about the mark of the round pretty simple I would have thought take it out of the public's hands because a player from the Giants, from Port Adelaide, from North Melbourne, from Gold Coast can never, ever win Mark of the Year under this system. Doesn't make any sense. And for a big honour, and it is a big honour, like if you've got that on your resume, Mark of the Year winner 2021, it's a pretty big tick, I reckon. So increase the prize, as Gary and Tim spoke about this week. What is it, a box of wheat bix Make that more significant and take it out of the public's hands because Richmond, Collingwood, Carlton, Essendon will dominate this award. There's no room for anyone else to win it if you're going to go on a popularity contest. That was Gillan McLaughlin. What we will do, we will take your calls on the other side of this and we will also get to over and under before the quiz when we leave you at 12 o'clock this morning. Take your calls right now. Digby wants to chat about the Geelong coach, Chris Scott. 
Good morning to you, Digby. How you going, Kane? Good. I've just got a quick sort of question because um, I know you know you're one that doesn't hold back on your genuine opinion on a few matters. But Chris Scott obviously has got one of the best home and away records uh, going around. Uh, won a premiership in his first year as coach. Ever since, I think his, his finals record can be questioned. I know he made the grand final last year. Um, what do you think, or how would he be viewed in the next couple of years if he goes out without another premiership, um, with some of the, um, you know, some of the players he's had at his disposal during that time, uh, especially now getting in the likes of Jeremy Cameron to add into the team that already made that grand final? How would he be viewed? Do you think, in your opinion? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. Seventy-one point six two percent win-loss finals, nine and thirteen in finals. Uh, got his team in a position at half time to win a premiership last year. I'm a I'm a big fan. I know he I know he has his critics, but I'm a massive fan. I, I don't know how long he wants to do it. I mean, you just read between the lines comments he's made about uh, not really necessarily enjoying coaching. So I'm not sure how long he's got. But if he wasn't at Geelong, I reckon there'd be four or five other clubs that would would have a crack at him. So no, I'm a I'm a big fan. Premiership coaches don't grow on trees. Coaching win-loss records of 71 or 72% don't grow on trees. You, you know, compare that to you know a Ross Lyons win-loss or a Nathan Buckley or a Paul Ruse. I mean, we're talking 18% more around about. So appreciate what you've got, Cats fans. I'm a I'm a big Chris Scott fan. I think he's I think he's very very good. And um, yeah, I think there'd be a lot of clubs that would have him if he wasn't at the Cats. Thanks for your thoughts, Digby. Gary's in Perth. Hi, Gary. G'day, mate. How are you going? Good. You want to chat about Patrick Cripps? I do. Um, now I'm a Dockers supporter, and uh, I look back in the old days of young Paddy carrying Carlton. That's why he's probably all strapped up around the shoulders. And now I think his teammates should give him some tech, uh, what do you call it, uh, some payback by helping him out. Mm. But the one person I'm really disappointed in is David Teague. For David Teague to come out this week and say, I don't think he's getting injections, sorry, I don't know he's getting injections to carry him through the games. And when asked by reporters, what about prior games? I don't think so. The I don't know routine really sickens me with these coaches. They have to stand up and be accountable to the public, the betting public, but also Mm. to their players. And I think, too, the reporters should have been a little bit more uh, aggressive toward him with those responses and sort of pointed him in the direction of Essendon's past ignorance when it came to their coaches knowing what their players were getting um, treated with. And I just yeah, think I, it's a I bad look agree. all around. I, I sort of agree with you, mate. I, I think as an industry, and this isn't a Carlton thing, we need to be a lot better with injuries. Other sports do it in real time. If an NBA player goes off with a cork thigh, it's off, will be assessed, or within a minute he won't return. Like, this is how it happens in real time. Now, you look at AFL clubs' injury reports, we've got worse in terms of the information shared to our supporters, to the fact where some teams, on their injury, on their who's in and out, for the weekend, it just says injured. Doesn't, it doesn't even tell you what the injury is. It's ridiculous. Uh, I agree with you, Gary. Of course, David Teague knows if his captain and best player is playing with injections. Of course, he knows. So he's just not telling the truth. 
and wouldn't be the first coach to not tell the truth in the media, but 100% every coach would know where their players are at. And if they don't, well, then that's another issue. Let's have a listen to David Teague. <laughs> no, he's fine. He's doing all the training. You watch training today. He'll compete everything in training. He doesn't have a fractured back. So this, it's just completely ina- inaccurate. There was no... Can you detail the nature of the, the injury? Uh, uh, he had a sore back at the start of the year, but not now. It's everything's healed now. He's fine. Never fractured. There's never any. Uh, he had a sore back. I'm not sure what the the actual uh, findings were, but he did. We I think it was reported he had a sore back early the year, but that was uh, I think uh, I think he's been completing full training since around two or th- three. I think it was. So yeah, it's not an issue now. Would be the first coach to you know try and get around that, and there's reasons for that because you know opposition teams can target your players and all that, but a bit of a difference between a sore back and a fractured back. The truth is somewhere in there. Um, Alex is in Ivanhoe. Hi, Alex. Yeah, hey, Kane. Yeah, a lovely work. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about, um, like, the Richmond crowd. or oh, not the Richmond, like, the Richmond playing at, at Marvel, because, like, doesn't every, like, team in Melbourne have to play a home game at Marvel? So, like, I just don't get what they're complaining about. Like, I understand interstate teams with you know, they get their home ground and all that, but that's because they, you know, joined, you know, they, they joined, you know, the, v, the VFL and all that. So, you know, it's a bit weird why they're complaining. Because I, I remember Collingwood, they sort of complained about with Saints and North for hosting, and we were hosting them. So, mm. yeah, it's a, it's a strange one, I find. Yeah, so as Gil said on 3AW this morning, why are they playing there? Well, because it's a contractual agreement with Marvel. I think I think I'm right in saying there has to be three played there a weekend. Sammy Edmund will would be all over that. There's three there this weekend. So tonight's game, uh, there's the game on Saturday night, that Richmond one, and there's one there, the early game on Sunday. So it's definitely a contractual thing. And I'm with you. I don't know what they're complaining about. Scott is in Richmond. He wants to chat about that as well. Your thoughts on Scott? Yeah, Kane, I think, um, like, we understand there's a contract, but if you listen to um, Benny Gale's arguments, they all hold. Basically, what he's stating is just you're missing the simple part of the argument where the MCG is vacant. It's our home ground. There is capacity for the crowds at the moment at Marvel, but there'll be more people at the MCG, and these are all things that the AFL's trying to achieve, getting more people. Why would there be more? That's, that's, that's Explain what... to me, though, why there would be more people at the MCG. Because that's where Richmond fans, as much as we, we're pretty we're pretty staunch fans, Kane, but people, you do get a bigger crowd at certain grounds and more people. Well, firstly, straight off with the MCC, there'll be more fans, just with those fans as well. Um, but it's just, like, it's purely because there's a contract. That's why there's a game there. Because it should be at the MCG outside of that. How would Port Adelaide feel if the Adelaide Oval was empty and they said, oh, Port, you're playing at Cooper Stadium? Like, it's non- but, everyone must admit it's nonsensical for home teams to not play at their home ground when it's empty. Uh, like, yeah, I, think, I think it's rich for Richmond to be whinging about this. There are things to whinge about. If there's three games that need to be played at Marvel, pull your weight and play at Marvel. You've already had six out of eight at the MCG. You'll get... 13 or 14 this year. That's what you get every year. So don't complain. You're not the only team that has a game at Marvel when perhaps it should be away. And Geelong are forced to drive down an hour away to the MCG to play some games, including finals, when they've got a perfectly good home ground that they make a lot of money out of. And yes, they they share their thoughts, but they don't sook about it like Richmond are doing now. There's things to complain about. Not playing at the MCG if you're Richmond is certainly not 
one of those. Martin's on the line. He wants to speak about the Mighty Ds, it says. They're flying, Martin. Hello, Khan. Yeah, look, we are. Thanks for taking my call. Look, I'm, I've been a, a long-time listener and I'm um, conscious about Collingwood and I used to ring up trying to get Buckley and um, Eddie to stay there. But, look, I've got the answer for every club. Um, as you know, I'm a passionate D supporter and this is particularly a message for Richmond, Collingwood, Essendon and Carlton supporters. Um, put the queue in the rack this year and come along and, and support the Ds and let's let's um, get the Ds over the line um, for all the interstate, against all the interstate clubs. And um, 57 years, Kane, a long time to wait. And we need the support of the other members and all the other um, supporters. And let's rally and um, get the Ds over the line, the Victorian team. And um, they're, they're doing us all a favour. Um, getting a Melbourne side home um, and we can celebrate together for the next um, 12 months until we, we go back to back. Uh, there you go. All uh, other nine Victorian teams, if you can't win it, get behind the mighty Ds. How, how do you reckon that'll go? Um, Collingwood fans, are you Barrick from Melbourne? Hawks? Struggling? Just just switch gears and get, get behind the mighty Ds. Uh, last one from Greg in Sydney. Uh, g'day to you, Greg. Just um, as a Collingwood supporter, I'd be happy to jump on Melbourne, by the way, um, but that wasn't what I was ringing about. I'm interested in your opinion on Nathan Buckley's future. You're talking about Chris Scott's coaching record, and I heard um, Ross Lyons' name thrown up as an alternative. Who's on your shortlist if you're picking the next Collingwood coach in terms of who would actually be available that's better than Nathan Buckley? Well, that's what I said. I said this time um, a week ago. I said, careful what you wish for. Uh, I was more with you, Greg. I was more supportive of the fact that you got a very good coach in Nathan Buckley. Collingwood will only go for a high-profile coach. That probably rules out most of them. So you have a chat to Clarkson, you go to Beveridge, you go to Longmire. If they all say no, then I don't know. I'm sort of with you. I'm I'm sort of saying with Nathan Buckley is, is my views on it. So I'm not in the get-rid-of-Nathan-Buckley camp for just anyone. Uh, I think he's a very good coach and... Be careful what you wish for. That's about it for us. Hayden Kennedy's going to be up with the pipe. Is he back? Dwayne had a little trip to the Grampians, I reckon. Good on him. He deserves it. He works like a Trojan. And you can jump on. The Midday Madness coming up. That number, one 736 736 Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy the footy. Come on, the power. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.